They met as soulmates, down on Bajor. Oh yeah. He left in plastic, as a cyborg corpse. Oh yeah. And he prayed the prophets, with all of his might. Oh yeah. And we would all go down together. We would all go down together. Yes, we would all go down together. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest TV show to let us just forget about all our problems and <laughs> and just, you know, just escape into a fantasy future utopia where we can just think about this one person dying and... <laughs> I guess um, slowly, slowly, and uh, maybe painfully, but you know, it's it's somebody else, and it's in the future, and things are great. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey guys, and Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. My name is Wade Bowen, and yep, we're talking about a dude dying. This episode is called. Life support. Yes. This one is uh, episode 13 of season three. It originally aired on January 30th, 1995. The IMDb description is as follows. Dr. Bashir must use extraordinary measures to prolong Vedic Baral's life long enough to allow Baral to complete sensitive peace negotiations between the Bajorans and the Cardassians. Yeah, okay, so we have Space Pope action this week, gentlemen. What did you guys, right off the gate, what did you guys think of this episode? I think Lisa Turtle was in it. Oh, with a beast, <laughs> yes, a beast story. <laughs> yep. um, the, the Lisa Turtle beast story is definitely in it. Yes. Yeah, but this ain't, this ain't about Lisa Turtle, man. This is about uh, what uh, we've referred to as Robot Pope, though he was never Pope, nor was he a robot. Until halfway this through episode. this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just he may have had an affected delivery for some of the time that we <laughs> made fun of. But at the end, Bashir goes, Kira, if I replace his brain with a robot, he wouldn't be as full of emotion as he is when you normally see him. He would be more <laughs> right. blunted and emotionless. Okay, so my problem with Star Trek Deep Space Nine, one of one of the things over the last three seasons is Bashir. Number one, uh-huh. he's a shitty character. Yeah. Number two, he's he's... So far, up until this episode, he's just been a, a merely adequate, he, he's an adequate doctor. This time, this episode actually shows he, he's a cut above, yeah. I stand by, up until this point, you've never shown him other than being merely adequate. This, here we are, episode 13 of season 3, and he finally shows that he is a cut above maybe your average doctor. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe you don't. Yeah, Bashir starts to come into being a little bit more of a of a character here. He's good at his job. He cares about his pay. Like, you want to see the ship's doctor be a, you know... It's good to see them be a doctor caring about his patients, I guess, you know, Um, (laughs) I guess. And but at the same time, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of question. I don't know enough about medical ethics. And it would actually be nice to have an expert on this. If if your patient can't take a medication because there's a 22 percent chance the medication will kill him. Do you give him the choice? Do you even tell him about the medication? I don't know how that works. Um, You are 22 percent is better than dying that is yeah true. i think and i think that in four, no 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 the medication wasn't going to save him it was just going to well, allow that's what him I'm saying. to if it's only uh, be lucid enough to do his to do I, his job oh, as, a right. man oh. who's, as a man who's watched most house episodes four times 
<laughs> I think that probably informed consent is probably the the measurement. Yeah. Like okay, I think so it Burrell's just as shitty at, at making bis- at decisions about his health. That's yeah. what this whole episode's yeah. about. So, okay. so your okay. your your argument is like the doctor that's like that doesn't want to tell the guy that he has cancer because you know it'll demoralize him and he'll just die. So we're gonna keep him in the dark to try to save him. Is that what you're? No, 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 no. I'm no, not at all. I'm just like I didn't know. Uh, I got I could save you, but I have to like put you under for a long while. No, Doc, I want to go to Disneyland this weekend. Okay, well, you can go to Disneyland this weekend. I can give you this medication it, to let you go to Disneyland because that's what you want to do this weekend. But there's a 22% chance you might die. It wasn't uh, about saving his life. Well, it was about like l- allowing him to stay awake and lucid. I think that, the, the, I think that, that is, gets into quality of life and control yeah, of life say. issues. And so I think that the argument is, is that the job of the doctor is not to... I mean, it's to do no harm is what they say, but it's not to save a life. It's to give people the life they want. And so at that point, if he wanted to die to, to live through this, that's his decision, you know? Sure. Right. And okay. whoever that's had, why medical, like I said, I'm the first one to say that medical ethics are not my, like, I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm, right. I'm posing this question. And then it even gets into, because the whole thing, uh, okay, so just the plot is there's a shit problem, explosion, Vedic Burial's going to die. And, <laughs> and by the way, that's all they say. It was just yeah. an explosion. Yeah. And then Pope Ratchet is like, was it sabotage? And O'Brien is like, what? Why would it be that? And then it's because there's this treaty that they're trying to sign with Cardassia. So it could have been sabotage and... That's also, all- it's two pol- it's two religious figures in like a politically like softened. Why why is I never I didn't understand why O'Brien was shocked by that. Was it sabotage? Yeah, it could have been. Sure. Was it sabotage? I don't think so. Why would you suspect sabotage? I mean, it's not like Bajor is a peaceful fucking place. Yeah, and I we mean- already know <laughs> Ratchet is uh, Kai Wins like willing to blow shit up. She did a bomb at the end of yes. but. Maybe it's... But anyways, there's a treaty between Cardassia and Bajor and Vedic's integral to it and it's quality of life and everything. And it's Star Trek needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few almost because without Burial, the treaty is going to fail. And so he could go into stasis and not die potentially, but then the treaty doesn't get signed. And not that that even saves lives, I guess, but it's a big thing for Bajor that's important to him. So he wants. Yeah. I mean, ultimately he chooses to take the drug to kill him so he can guide Vedic win or Kai win. Yeah. But, yeah. Right. Kai win. Get, get her. Uh, respect so the she office. Can, <laughs> respect. Right. Right. She's not my Kai fellas. <laughs> She's not my Kai. I'm the Pope. Uh, <laughs> so I don't understand. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I actually thought this, this episode wasn't that bad no, no really? i think it's oh actually God. not that bad i thought I guess it was boring as fuck guys oh. what the hell i thought this was the boringest episode we've it may have been boring since but I, I, I don't know if i've said this on podcast or not but apparently it's this thing i've learned about myself that i really like and i can really enjoy boring television it's I kind think of we're boring all a lot about ourselves here yeah but so the stakes I'm are thinking high. that maybe i don't like star trek and you <laughs> you've discovered that you like stuff you like boring television yeah even <laughs> we're even, all learned a lot about ourselves even with that i won't say that i actually loved this episode but it did 
big things, I guess. Well, character-wise, like Julian's not a horrible character anymore. Oh, that's nice. Right. Uh, okay. But the main co- question I had is maybe it's more just nerd corner stuff. The state of medical technology, the state of medicine in the 24th century. Yeah, I agree Be- with this. It seems because, like and there's not about keeping the heart going or anything. So yeah, they there's been all this horrible, and I guess we'll save the B plot for a whole separate conversation right lisa turtle oh yeah 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 because yeah, it opens the, yeah. with lisa turtle but let's just talk about the a plot with Bedek Burrell. and there's not are we right on this there's not much going on with the a plot they they could i think we been, just described it yeah i know yeah, yeah that's it, could it. Have been, I, I mean like it could have been more com- like the negotiations could have been more complicated and more interesting the explode the, the nature the, of the explosion the sabotage yeah. could have been more in- or or not we don't know if there was yeah. I think they just settle on that it was not the molecular fracture in the plasma conduits got to the relay and chain reaction and there was an explosion. It was bound to happen is what O'Brien says. And then Kai Ratchet's like, was it sabotage? And he's like, whoa, 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 why would it be? Okay, 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 okay. Two major political figures for an entire planet were on that ship. Yeah, like, it shouldn't be that big. If the Challenger and... exploded, it, no no one's going to say that was bound to happen. I mean, like there was yeah. congressional hearings over this shit. Yeah. Like the the number two head of the of the whole religious order was killed in this explosion, and everybody was just kind of like, "Shit, sorry, Kira, I understand if you want to cry it out." You know, like, <laughs> no one was like, "What the fuck just happened?" Why did this happen? Shit yeah. happens. What the and and like the fact that Kai's ratchets blown shit up and they're like, well, we don't. I don't know. I feel I would be like, hmm. I'd be looking at her, but you know, whatever. Apparently, sure, Odo would have been all up in the shit and everything. So like, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. And for some reason, O'Brien was in Odo's office at the beginning when they all run to the explosion because they're doing dumb Lisa Turtle bullshit. Yeah, and then they 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 run by before the credit sequence but whatever that oh, doesn't really matter. That was fantasy baseball they were talking about trades yeah right <laughs> yeah and then so there's all this radiation but that kept them from teleporting out of the shuttle or whatever which okay fine that's good nerd reason why they didn't just teleport into sick bay then we get julian bashir and his weird i don't know this looked like a real the the surgical outfits the, that they the had body, the body condom that covered everything but his face <laughs> yeah or, you know where your germs oh, come out of yeah it's like oh they've got this <laughs> yeah. sterile um uniform for everything except you know what our doctors now have called masks which yes. where all your germs come from exactly but you gotta like, cover them ears and that neck but he can cough and talk. That's because so he so he can see uh, Alexander Siddiq's beautiful face. Right. Which yeah, it's because it's TV. That's why assholes. Uh, <laughs> but, okay. Yeah. No, it's I, like I, why I in it. every Marvel movie with a superhero that wears a mask, they spend two thirds of the movie with the mask off. Yes. You have to see their face. <laughs> it's a visual medium. But these guys are pretty. We yeah yeah. We go to oh. great lengths to find our prettiest people and put them into Marvel movies. Man, we're, we're just so relieved that they finally killed off Vedic Brown yeah. <laughs> for the sake of the show, though. Really, I mean, that's what okay. the really this show's about. Yes, that's what this episode admit, does. Maybe why I liked it, but it was kind of boring. But it doubled down on like everything that's bad about him. I felt like okay. I'll just go on my whole little rant here. For some reason, Bashir has two has two modes: over actory child actor, <laughs> or like mumble mumblecore. Yeah. And for some reason, like he, there were whole scenes. I think it was like an actor exercise on how could there be less charisma. Oh, so like, you're jumping, you're doubling down on Bashir sucks as an actor. 
in this episode. It's what you're doing. Uh-huh. I thought he was good. See, this is where... Yeah, he's so, he's painful for me to watch. This is where I don't understand you guys' fascination with how great Avery Brooks is in comparison to how bad Bashir is. You know is. why? You know why? Because Avery Brooks, when he reads lines, he acts, he he's fucking interesting. And he's, he makes things that are Reason, boring yeah. like, look engaging and interesting. See, I don't and, know. And, and this mumblecore... Like, Smoldering I'm just, eyes. He's intense and handsome. It's not intense. It's boring. <laughs> I know intense, and I know sexy, and I can find men sexy. And I'm not saying that, like, <laughs> I know we've talked to enough girls who saw him at 13, and that that was an impressionable <laughs> time period. And Alexander Sadig did something for them, and I'm not here to judge him. Oh, I see But it. we're adult. We're adults now. You, you, you're old enough to be able to download podcasts onto your phone while you're at work, so you can hear this. He's a shitty actor who's gotten no charisma at all. See, like, I, if you, do you know I, why? Do you know why? Do you know why Mark Harmon is always on television? He's not a great actor, but he he's got charisma. When he talks, it's like listening to somebody. You want to listen to him. You're engaged with what he's saying. This guy is just like he's a he's like a Shakespearean nothing. Like obviously he was trained to speak, enunciate well in some sort of Shakespearean method in in England, but he has no presence, no charisma, and it's just it, he's a he, limited he, imagination he, on what to do with char- like for I, characterization. I have to go all the way to go, where to go with his clauses does, and sentences. He I, doesn't vary his speech. You don't think you think Avery Brooks is, does it any I, differently? He's got the I same think, kind of things. I think he's imaginative at least. Yeah, I think he probably worked cycles through a few different options before he makes his choices. I think he's, yeah. I think that his he's not to your taste, and you decide that means he's a bad actor. I think it's, he's. Boring. Is anybody is anybody ask anybody asking Alexander Sadig to like teach at their colleges acting? <laughs> <laughs> they're asking him to still be on TV shows, which they're not doing well, in Avery to, Brooks. For like, well, no, it's because Avery Brooks is a hundred years old now. Uh, Alexander Sadig is now in like a, his sexy fifties, and they they've still put him on shows for fifteen minutes and killed him off. They killed him off on Game of Thrones. They didn't even have to. Well, yeah, that's you got the feeling that was just mopping up. He's a, a, he's a big character on Peaky Blinders, and I haven't watched I enough watch of P- it to know if they've killed him yeah, yet. Yeah, I haven't either. Uh, and he may be better now, but he is bored. I disagree. I mean, okay, like okay, an actor who who you would think is smoldering, like you mentioned Peaky Blinders, so that's a good comparison. Is someone like a uh, Cillian Murphy, Killian Murphy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Killian is it Killian Murphy? I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to mispronounce or get anyone's <laughs> name wrong anymore. So, um, it's, it's either Killian Murphy or Richard Picardo. I don't remember what's his name, but um, I think it's Killian Murphy. That guy's got some charisma. He always plays low key roles, but he's like he's making choices. He looks like you can't take your eyes off of him. And like there were whole segments of this episode, and I watched it twice in two days, where I couldn't put my eyes on the screen. See, I don't. Like, I mean, and I know like the world is the world is burning down around us. So I've got distractions. I'm not going to blame it all on that. Sure, sure. But Barile and him talking for a long time makes me want to blame. Oh, so you see? I mean, I would I'd agree with you if we're just talking about Barile, but. I was watching this one and I'm like, that Alexander Sadiq, it's a handsome man. He's pretty. And and he's given and I thought he was given some good read. And then I saw some Cisco stuff where he's just doing Cisco, Avery Brookisms and stuff, and it's like I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not I'm saying not, that Avery Brooks doesn't have an autopilot. 
Yeah, he does, but he doesn't have an autopilot on an episode that's about him. He uh, didn't have an. He didn't, he wasn't on autopilot during past tense. We go back and listen to the tape. I also defended uh, Bashir in past tense where y'all were oh, shitting sure on it too. So. You sure did. You sure did. <laughs> and you should go back and watch that that scene where he's like. Commander, why was the 21st century so bad? Well, let me tell you. Like, that I think scene. I think if we're I think it's glass houses if we're saying that Avery Brooks is more dynamic than because even when Avery I'm Brooks is being dramatic, he does it in similar. I'm perfectly comfortable saying that. All right. Well, I guess we should <laughs> let it go and agree to disagree mm-hmm. on this. I mean, if yeah, you I mean, do disagree with James and Hugh, <laughs> give us a call at 917-408-3898. No one's got Bill uh, Bill Shatner levels of charisma on this show, but Avery Brooks comes the closest. Okay. Wait a minute. So wait a minute. Are we just, where are we talking about two different things? Where James is talking about charisma and and Wade is talking about technical skill as no, an actor. No, like, talk- are you saying that? I'm saying that. Wade, are you he- talking about charisma too? Yeah. One person's charisma does not sell to another person. Right. Sorry, I understand that. But are you saying that Alexander Siddig <laughs> has as much charisma as Avery Brooks? I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm saying I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying his whatever measure of less charisma he might have than Avery Brooks make is him being a shit actor. I'm just saying that I think he's doing a fine job, and he had maybe he's not. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't as charismatic as Avery Brooks, but I don't think he's just okay. phoning it in and doing awful work. Okay, I I think that he's not as charismatic as Avery Brooks, and even when Avery Brooks is doing something, maybe making a false note or doing something weird. It's completely watchable and therefore more entertaining than whenever Bashir Bashir is mumbles. And he very well might be more charismatic than Avery, Avery Brooks might well be more charismatic than Alexander Sadiq. That doesn't automatically compute that Alexander Sadiq is doing a shit job. I, I have to I have to give you I, I'll give you that. I, I, I see where you're coming from on that. Yeah, I mean, he has his own ways of delivering, and it. it just feels like y'all. What's well, not to your taste? You're um, well. Let's okay. Let's take let's take this out of this. Okay, let's let's put it to something that we. Uh, let's talk about Deadwood for a second. Are you with Avery Brooks? Well, nobody's doing Deadwood work. Here. Yeah, no, 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 no. But let's. I mean, there's a lot of varied performances, and we can. I like. I got it like an analogy. When Avery Brooks gives off notes, I think it's he's given like Brad Dorif level sort of weirdness sometimes. <laughs> And with that, I like that. I think Brad Dorif has tons of charisma when he's in anything. And so I, I always, I, you know, when he's in like a special episode of X-Files, I love Brad Dorif in it. The five minutes he's in Blue Velvet, I can't take my eyes. The character of Bashir could be stiffy and British and all of that stuff. But there's a way to do that with charisma. And Deadwood has that in the Brom Garrett from the first season. Uh-huh. That guy is stiff and weird and foppish and un, but he's also you know like he's got a charisma to that character. Yeah, I mean we're talking about acting, so it gets all kind of wishy washy. But there's charisma, and then there's also being present in the character, and also just selling. Yeah, and I me, feel like starts- seeing the character instead of the actor being weird. And you can even just be, see the actor being weird and sell that charisma like you get with Shatner sometimes. And it, so it's it's a real hard kind of alchemy to, to to say this is what, you know, to really parse out yeah. exactly this is why this person's bad. But I think Bashir is boring. I think that 
Alexander Siddig is a boring actor. And not necessarily in an unskilled way like with Dex, but um, <laughs> uh, like obviously, I mean, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that Siddig has had read his Stanislavski. I'm not, you know, I'm not questioning that. But there is just something about him that, like, is like it's it's just boring, and I and I don't know why. Yeah, and I've seen that definitely before, and you know, I <laughs> I haven't always been nice to the guy, but mm-hmm. I thought he was fine in this episode where he's standing up for his patient and he's being. Wait, like the scene where he's like telling Kai Wen to get out. There's a scene later on. He's told her to get the hell fuck out of the sick bay, and then he goes and sees in in like a another room, and she's like, "Oh, are you gonna kick me out of here too?" It's like, "Well, not yet." But and he's like, "I want you to tell Barial that you don't need him." She's like, "But I do need him." Are you asking me to lie? He's like, "No, I'm asking you to save his life." That doesn't sound like a Starfleet officer. And he's like. I'm a doctor first. I'm looking out for the patient. I don't care if he's going to save or get this treaty going. I'm trying to save his life. He realizes that she's just being selfish. She wants a scapegoat if the talks don't go to fruition, but she knows she needs him to be there. So she's willing to let him die to blame it on him, but she's also willing to let him die to maybe get the credit. So, because he's like, "Oh, if you if you do this yourself, you could get all the credit," and she's like, "Well, yeah, I could, but I don't think I can do it without him." And I'm willing to risk his life if he dies, and I still get it. Then I get the credit. And he's like, "Oh, you need a scapegoat. You're a coward. You're a coward." You're afraid to stand alone. She's like, "Doctor, I won't forget what you said to me," and he's, neither will I. Neither will I. That was the scene that I, I had a hard I, I had a hard time watching. I think that I like that scene. That's what I'm saying. Well, I think on paper it's fine, but I think I that you're like, saying what uh, is your point that, that Alexander Siddig is a good actor or that Ronald D. Moore is a good writer? Both. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think No, I was just <laughs> I don't think one's contingent on the other. No, I know, but you're pointing out things that you liked that it was like it was just stuff in the script. Yeah. I wasn't doing a good line reading of the way he gave the lines. I, know, I thought he yeah. did a fine job. In his I, Alexander I, I, you need to go. I will not be doing it. I can't do this. I have to save. I have to do what's right for my patient. You have to like he's the whole time. Like he's just got a mumblecore. He's. I thought he <laughs> enunciated just fine. He sure did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was times where like I he does have a way of pronouncing every word, and it's sometimes he gets into cadences that are uh, familiar cadences for him, but that (laughs) so does Avery Brooks. And it doesn't bother me as much. Doesn't bother me necessarily when he does it. I just feel like he's got less tools in his toolbox and than Avery Brooks. And I, I think you're saying that he's just as, just as capable as Brooks, but maybe not as charismatic, just as capable, or even if he's slightly less capable, I'm just saying he's capable just because he's not Avery Brooks. Doesn't mean he's shit. And Avery Brooks has his own problems. That's all I'm pointing out. All right. I can dig it. I can dig it. I'm going to critique the script now here. Yeah, who wrote this one? Ronald D. Moore. Uh, it wasn't his pitch, but it was his... He wrote it. I mean, he wrote it. The original pitch was uh, some guys, you know, that's all you need to know. Some guys sure. pitched a story that Bashir was creating a Frankenstein. It wasn't necessarily Beryl. It was just a guy. It was a it was a gomer, and that he figured out a way to save a gomer's life by putting. And then it you know it sort of cascaded to the point where are you have you take taken took and took have you stole have the you spark st- of have life? you stole the spark of life? Yeah, have <laughs> you stole the spark of life from him? Because that was the point I was going to make before. Sorry to jump on you. Oh, I'm sorry about the state of medical technology nowadays. 
we declare a person dead when it's like, oh, their heart stopped beating and we don't have brain no, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, with no oxygen to the brain, that's pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The idea that 40 minutes, and I don't know, did they, I was struggling to pay attention. Did they explain how he was dead, how the yeah, oxygen he, deprivation yeah, they were in like, his brain for 40 minutes? He's been dead for, his, for 40 minutes and he's like, and Bashir points out, like, well, he was in stasis for most of that time. Okay. So they can put him in stasis and it's just like cold free, you know, like sci-fi stasis. Somehow oxygen it's like, is, yeah, somehow oxygen's getting to the brain. Yeah, it's like there was no, it's like stopping time. So it's not like he was actually. In that scene, I was distracted there. because there was another character there who was talking to Bashir. And the whole time I was like, I wish I knew who this character was. I wish she had a relationship with Bashir. She's been a, she's been a Bajoran nurse in a couple scenes before. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we've talked but before about like, he's the only doctor on the station. He <laughs> yeah. doesn't even have a, like a regiment uh, no, he, of other medical He doesn't officers. have like a nurse chapel. Yeah, he's got one nurse for the whole station, apparently. And I was like, is this his nurse chapel? Could they have like some sort of chemistry, flirty repartee that would make this, or some sort of chemistry that would make this a more interesting scene? See, and that, you know, that's where, that's where Trek sometimes loses me a little bit. I mean, because they yes. have, they have, a, okay, so she's Bajoran, but she's still like a, a nice looking white lady. They should have had whatever species Morn is as his <laughs> medical assistant you know that would have been more interesting they don't have to give him any lines yeah, yeah and, and have it be you can even have it be a female or a third gender or i don't know but just like you could do stuff with your sci-fi shows that just make it more interesting just like a little bit of seasoning in there you know yeah yeah that's how yeah yeah or even if you're gonna go the way of just making them pretty people with pinched noses at least give them some sort of like interpersonal chemistry you know right not like that they he's trying to fuck her but like you know how people on shows talk all the time and have characters and say things that are engaging like that you know on shows <laughs> right. um hey this is a robot pope episode man what do you want this is a robot pope but it embodies the robot pope quite strongly okay so yeah. my my biggest issue like right off the bat it goes back to my i don't need i don't know enough of and i know that fans roll their eyes at all of the bajoran space politics stuff i don't know enough about hey bajor work why is the Pope, who's not the head of government, organizing secret peace talks without any other governmental elected official with her? Well, or or Starfleet. That's yeah. why you have them there. Yeah. You, could you imagine if the Pope was negotiating a peace treaty with another country? Well, this is Bajor. <laughs> this is this is Star Trek feature where every planet is its, is its own country. And is a monoculture, so it's a little yeah, bit Yeah, but she's not simplistic. the head of she's not the elected head of the government. Yeah, but it's pretty close on Bajor. No, because that was the she <laughs> I mean she is you're right that it's there is an inter yes, there's a religion and politics sort of interplay there. I'm not I'm not denying that. And I wouldn't be denying that Kai Wen would take an important position on that. Like the way you always hear about John Paul Pope John Paul II playing a key thing in sort of the bringing down of the Berlin Wall. And right. I don't doubt that. But it wasn't. He wasn't Reagan, like you know. He wasn't right. or, or Gorbachev. He wasn't actively doing it. Wasn't there an episode before, or maybe it's an episode later, where she actually takes over the provisional government too? I don't know. Like, I think she's like maybe you. You might be right. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, there was the one where she turned her back on Skeletor. Right. And... Well, I'm talking like more recently, or maybe I watched ahead. But I thought there was like you watched ahead a thing where she's like she takes a stronger role than just. But yeah. I don't know. No. So the only the last time we saw her is when she was elected in the uh, notorious Viet Cong episode, <laughs> right. and um, that was when she was elected. And then till then, the only time you've heard about her is when Baral was trying to fuck everybody on the station a couple episodes ago. Oh right. <laughs> in fascination, he said, w- like 
he likes working for her. She's not crazy. Like right, that was right. all he said. So yeah, I mean, it is a little bit questionable. It's not world breaking for me that she would have. We don't know exactly the what the Kai does. We know the Kai is very involved with Bajoran politics. So if she were to negotiate a peace treaty gig, and she's just taking credit for it, and all of that wouldn't bother me if if there was an elected official there. But something about it just is kind of like this isn't. This needs more people involved. Like it's hard to believe. We we don't even know that this. Bajoran peace treaty means jack <laughs> shit. It's not like it's saving lives. It just means yeah. It's I just agree. like you know, like we don't know what it. I will say that's another thing. The stakes are big. Oh, it's going to be peace between Bajor and <laughs> uh, the Car- Caritasia, but on what grounds? Really, exactly. Like, they're not going to get yeah, along. No, all of this was. And then I felt like the even like I, I go back to my I felt like it was an an exercise of charismalessness is even the Cardassian that came in like and Cardassians are great like that's such a defined like they're like yeah. they're like a, there's a way to play Cardassians and they they have like they're unctuous and like sadistic and they're like Nazis everybody wants to play them in movies right. and then even he was boring you didn't think Goltorell <laughs> had a <laughs> no he was boring well, the whole the whole, yeah, the whole plot of this episode the whole A plot and we haven't even gotten at least a turtle yet yeah, at least yeah. a turtle <laughs> in space yeah. uh, but the whole plot is basically the most competent guy in your office is going to die and you need to get some like work done out of him before he croaks. <laughs> you need to get all the Wi-Fi passwords. You need to get the keys to the file cabinet. And you're just trying to keep the most competent guy alive because yes. you have to get the TPS reports out or something. Uh-huh. It's 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 a yeah. little bit I mean, this could have been an episode I mean, of the office. Well, <laughs> if you look at it as if Bajor is space Israel. And this peace treaty is like a Palestinian accord. It is, and it's going to solve the Israel-Palestinian problem, which is kind of what Bajor and Cardassia has been likened to in the past. Mm-hmm. Then, if you look at it through that lens, this is a huge deal, and the stakes are so big with that. It's just, and there's only two people in the room, right? Well, and then they <laughs> let the, they let the emissary in after Vedic Baral gets. She asked him. To, yeah. Then there was three people in the room. Right. I know. Yeah. It was just. I'm just saying. Like it was for it to well, be this graphic thing. They kind of like. They kind of whole hummed it. Well, they. Well, yeah, but, they do. It. They're deeply secret because if they were public before they announced the treaties and yeah. if they publicize it, they're worried that people are going to sabotage it and maybe blow up the ship. Like. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't at the beginning and cause radiation to kill Vedic Baral and this Vasogen Vasokin experimental drug to keep his. Do we have a positronic brain? I felt like we had to acknowledge that at some point because they're going to replace his brain. They replace all his organs with implants after the Vasokin experimental drugs going to kill him. And then they replace his organs, and they're going to replace his brain with a positronic brain. You know what a positronic brain's from, right? Data, yeah. Yeah, from data. Well, and we also we have a we also have a original reference to original Star Trek reference oh, in the B plot. Yeah, yeah. Yes, in the B plot. Wait, which one's that? It's a pretty big one. Yeah, well, the Tholian. The Tholians. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brain is where the spark of life is. They still haven't figured out the brain in the twenty fourth century. But they have like teleporters. Yeah, that bothered. Yeah, that bothered me too because I feel like that's gonna be like we we could probably get that short away like next next century within the next century. Maybe yeah. Is understanding a lot of these sort of things about the human brain. Also, no stem cells. There weren't this idea of like. I mean, I you know we can almost grow organs now, like in a glass um, case. There's like right. 
I would just say that like uh, this, they're they're not even where science would well, be. They are though that in that like they can replace all his internal organs with stuff that works just as well. As, yeah, but they're not organic when they're not made from his own cells, which is probably yeah, who cares. But they work just as well as organic. The only problem is that there's still more radiation deterioration in his brain, and they can even repl- they can't replace the brain, but they can regrow they can regrow neurons, which is uh, out of our realm of expertise right now. Also, didn't he clone a whole per? Didn't he clone a whole yeah. person in like yeah. the first yeah. season? And That's fact, growing a brain yeah. from your DNA. Right. Right. Well, second, you can grow a, second a brain from stem cells. Like yeah, like that makes sense. You can regrow. They could regrow neurons, which is something we can't do right now. Yeah, and maybe that's stem cell research or whatever. But you can't replace it wholeheartedly like the way it was before. No, he would have brain damage or have massive memory loss. So right. I mean, like, yeah, but he would still be like you know barile. Right. But yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, that's fine. And he made the choice to not do that. And like, I don't know. There was a point where we can rebuild it. We can turn him into robot cop, robo pope. Like, but no, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I forgive it for not knowing like how advanced medicine will become over the last twenty years. Right, that's right, not right. their fault. Because maybe they're just they're <laughs> postulating that it would just have you know they're like, hey, we got artificial hearts that are mechanical. Just imagine mm-hmm. how great the mechanical hearts will be. In 400 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's probably if, like the, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have moral problems with stem cells or whatever, like, yeah, we might have that. But you know what? We can make mechanical parts just as well. Yeah. We can make the bionic man if we wanted. We just can't. We can't replace the brain because there's something special about it. Which I think all the moral, all the moral things from stem cells are largely gone because they can do it without embryonic cells now, I think. Right, right. Yeah. So, so even now, that's kind of like a moot point. Um. Okay, let's talk about Lisa Turtle and Ferengi women again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. There's a lot of ear rubbing in this one, too. A lot of references to ears. A lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. this was sort of the... I, uh, this is a return to season one. Yeah, they they were not happy with the combination of the two. Uh, according to Iris Stephen Bear, after viewing the first set of dailies, which included scenes from both stories, the producers were beyond shocked and a feeling swept through the room of what the hell have we done? The decision to have a grim A story and a humorous B story. Uh, that was Ronald Moore's uh, decision, and uh, it was a mistake. And, and Moore admits it was a mistake. So uh, so that was his fuck up. But yeah, it was so tonally weird. Yeah, I'll say. I, th- I feel like it made me approach it in a more, cr- like, I was more like, I, I-, I think that I, because I-, I didn't find it lighthearted, and that might be because I'm a, you know, a fucking... SJW snowflake or what the fuck ever. Yeah. I'm a cuck or whatever. Oh, look at but, him being awful towards women. That's just who he is. But like, on the other hand, like I was thinking like, this is probably fun for them back then, but this is, isn't fun. And like, largely the conflict is easily navigatable. Like, surely Nog at some point is like, don't treat non-Ferengi women like this, you know? Right. Right. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, that's the story. Jake has a date with Lisa Turtle. Yes. Leanne, who was dating. And I don't know, Saved by the Bell was on over. television. It was over by this point. So this it, was Lisa Turtle's Lisa, post? Saved by the Bell, the college years, it already happened by 1995. Put Think about that for a second. So this is, wait, Lisa, this is Lisa Turtle's post Saved by the Bell work? I think so, because I looked her up on... This is the last stand of Lisa Turtle, yes. Yeah. You're right, because Showgirls was a 96. I know, it's weird, because yeah. she looks like young Lisa Turtle in this, for me. Yeah. You know, she looks like a teenager. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. 
And I looked it up. Like the college years, where it's like 1994 or something. Like so. So this was kind of current. So this is what she did while waiting for the. She was only in like one episode of that. Apparently, I don't. Know. Oh, she wasn't. <laughs> college years was all Zach and um, Screech. Screech. And, and, yeah. yeah. No really, Slater was Slater. Maybe he was in college too. I, I don't remember it that well. I, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just so glad they didn't do the graduate degree years, <laughs> the, <graduate laughs> the post grad work, the dissertation. I can, I can <laughs> only imagine. I can only imagine what Screech got for his PhD after the grad <laughs> post graduate. <laughs> yes, he spent. He was that guy who spent ten years on his dissertation. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, there's this scene. There's not a lot she to, was with, to whip out. Yeah, well, my question at the initially was like, wait a minute, where did all these non-Bajoran kids come from? She's like Jake's age. Mm-hmm. I thought we had already established earlier on in the season that the Dominion was a thing everybody left. Mm-hmm. But then they're just like talking about, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, you're not dating Orac anymore. Oh, let's. You want to go for a date? Like, yeah. This just came out of nowhere. I thought, what happened to the? Are there kids there, Dad? Or you know? He goes on a double date. Uh, Nog, right. Nog hasn't been in a, Nog immediately. Nog hasn't been in an episode for a year, right? Huh? He hasn't been in an episode for like yeah, a year. Yeah, we haven't seen Nog because his makeup's a little wonky. Did you notice that? Yeah. It looked a little yeah. lopsided. And this is, I think, when Nog comes back in force. Like I think this is when they start doing like because I know in next week's episodes where the the Nog story that isn't lame starts oh, like nice. the, the that thread of his character right because he's pretty lame in this one yeah. he's like he doesn't he when jake's like i got a date man he's like oh this is great you're gonna double date us like it's like well okay and then he just invited himself yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And i don't know if that was supposed to be humorous but it's more if it was supposed to be humorous it was more irritating to the viewer like as a yeah. viewer yeah. you're irritated. I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be humorous but you're right it was irritating i think all of this was supposed to be humorous I think that like your female talks a lot and she should chew my food. Yeah. Shit. She's so like, dumb. Yeah. She's perfect. And then Riska just stands up, oh, and gets up in a huff, doesn't walk away, just stands and turns to face the corner or she's looking over the balcony. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is this episode, I mean, I think that they every once in a while they have to throw in an episode of like growing pains or whatever. This is basically Kirk Cameron and Boner yeah. having Yeah, yeah having like girl problems or whatever. So I don't know why. I mean, other than the fact that they have a teenager in the cast, I don't know why they feel obligated to do this particular storyline, especially when they do such a better job of it later on. So yeah, yeah this one, this one was just a head scratcher for me. Yeah. For me. They want to, I think maybe they're trying to recapture the magic of the stim bolts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's probably what they're, That's trying what to they're trying to reinvent stim bolts, man. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. no, this was, uh, yeah, it was <laughs> self sealing I mean, stim bolts. This was, I mean, this was colossally lame and, the whole time, you're just like, this is so, like, this is, A, Jake is so right. Yeah. And then they have the rewriting of the original, like, like, Cisco being racist towards Ferengis was an interesting part of the story. Right. Well, then when that to... came up. But the reversal of that, like, is Jake, you know, like, that's right. not, that's boring. They the have a full is... house moment where he gets a lesson from his dad. Yeah. And, and Cisco has to say, He's not ra- he's not racist anymore. He made the mistake of remembering of forgetting that Ferengi's gonna Ferengi. But but that's not the problem. The problem was is that Nog wasn't treating people who were not Ferengi's with respect. 
That's the problem. It's not a cultural thing. He isn't going into like his fucking house and telling him how to treat his woman. And if there was, if if Nog was paired up with a woman who was really into that shit, Jake probably shouldn't like intercede on her. He shouldn't white knight her on her curb of the ass. But like, <laughs> yeah. where where are the Gorians on Deep Space Nine? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> oh, that would have been more interesting actually if if Jake like doesn't check his privilege or whatever and tries to <laughs> white knight a Ferengi romance. Yeah, yeah. There's, where's the story of O episode of Deep Space Nine? <laughs> I, I hope everybody's but, getting these literary references I'm throwing down because they're on fire. <laughs> like, yeah, no, if she... If, if it was a Ferengi episode and he was like, Nog, you need to treat your woman better. It bothers me how you treat your woman. And he's like, Jake, it bothers me how you treat your woman. That would be an equal, that would be an equal story to tell. Because that is a conflict of culture. This isn't. This is Nog being an asshole to women who aren't in his culture, and and like it would be the equivalent of like, hey, look at the, like us going like, hey, look at those girls with those hijab towels on their heads. Why they gotta wear that shit all the time? Like it's not. A, that's not a conflict of culture. You're being an asshole. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. You can say I don't you can say in my life we don't wear hijabs and women don't cover themselves and I like them to express themselves how they want and they can say well we don't do that here and we go that's that's your lesson that's fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can't berate someone or force someone to like you know so it's it wasn't a conflict of culture it was not being an asshole they were treating it like it was a conflict of culture which bothered me in a place in world where we actually need good lessons on conflicts of culture, this was a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It, yeah, it and it didn't go so hot, did it? Yeah, yeah. no, no. Yeah. So, but then yeah. Jake pretends or convinces Odo to put him in jail because does a favor to arrest both him and Nog because they've been spotted by a witness going into the Tholian embassy. That was <laughs> the uh, other. Jo- yeah. Yeah. That's some Andy Taylor yeah, type shit right there. I mean, that's some like. I, I think it's really nice of Odo to like. I'm just here to help you run these these wily schemes to help you with your friends. Right. Like, like yeah. Odo would yeah. do that in a fucking heartbeat. Right. <laughs> nope. And then, like and, then, yeah. and then Nog is like, I don't even know what a Tholian looks like, which is an in joke, right? Because they didn't. Tholians have they eventually. A weird... Yeah, they yeah, eventually right. show them in Enterprise. Right, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. We don't want to spoil anything for our Enterprise <laughs> fans. But at this point in, t- in in television history, that is correct. Yeah, no one had seen it. When this aired. Because they live right. in like when quabillion degree temperatures and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, I think there's like a quick kind of almost picture in one of the original series, but it's not accurate. I don't know. Yeah, they look they look similar to in the original uh, Ninja Turtles NES game. The little flaming guys that you had to fight <laughs> that were hard to kill with the size. <laughs> like that's all I remember. Yeah. We'll at least agree that Kira does a good acting job at the end when oh, she sure, sure. watches uh, Robot Pope die. No, I won't argue that, but just because I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't want to argue about it. Fair enough. But, but, but you go ahead. Yeah. I thought she did a fine little emoting to nothing job. Yeah, I don't don't hate it. Okay. You know what I would have liked to have seen? Just uh, what if I was writing this episode, what I would have seen is Odo. Just creeping out when she says, (laughs) can I be alone? And he's like, his head pops out of a plant in the corner where he's spying on her like a creep. He's not excited that (laughs) he's not excited that Robot Pope died. But 
But yeah. he's excited. But it, he he can't he can't help but notice that it helps his position. You wanted him to like pull a peeping tom in her intimate moment, watching him die, I, where he just I don't, his, he turns into a rat in the corner or something. I don't know some interpersonal uh, conflict and. Uh, Story, yeah, like well, they could have lines. just had a couple of lines together, I guess. But yeah, some elements of you know spanning storylines and planting these seeds and then feeding them like throughout episodes yeah. would be nice. Well, but, I, think but, this... I mean, if you just watch this episode, you wouldn't know that Odo is in love with her. No, this is that her love life changed dramatically, and that I don't know. Obviously, I think Odo would be deeply conflicted yeah. about his emotions. I don't think he's Machiavellian about it. No, this is just but a house I, cleaning episode to get her previous shit yes. out of the way so they can move on with yeah. it. Yeah, we made a horrible mistake with that asshole <laughs> as a character. So let's get rid of him. Uh, and that's exactly what it was, by the way. That was all that motivated. Right. Everybody writing. hates this burial and religion shit. Let's just mm-hmm. let's just move it down the field. It was a weird one. It's a it's an odd duck, and uh, it does do, accomplish a couple things. Number one, it reintroduces Kai Wen for those of us who forgot about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, it gets it gets Veda Brile off the board for future romance for for Kira, and basically it reintroduces Nog after a long time absence for more interesting things. So it does a little bit yeah. <laughs> of of stuff. But it's kind of a grind and a little bit of a. I, I don't think it was that bad. Like, I mean, Wade has a point. Bashir had some nice moments where he actually got to be a yes. like a stand-up doctor, which we have we haven't seen yet. So you know, my my preferences for his face <laughs> and delivery aside, that's how you I know, feel. Yeah. As a as a character, that did move the ball down the field a little oh, bit. Yeah, and then so, we got another souffle. Right. That's so. the one last thing we get at the end. Oh, good Apparently, God, yeah. the show loves. Souffles as much as it loves souffles. Chocolate souffle with Halikian tongue sauce. Well, I'm very honored. I get the feeling that was like a trendy food in the nineties. That was like yeah. That was like the bacon and Brussels sprouts of nineteen ninety or something. I don't know. Souffles. Yeah. Um, I will say that uh, there was one person's acting I could have hit harder on, and that was Kai Ratchet. I was about to bl- say, yeah, who was pretty awful in this episode. But I did read that she had cr- a crippling flu. While filming this. Okay, I was actually going to make a joke. Like, she's acting like she's got, she's like getting over something <laughs> yeah. during this. She had a crippling flu, and like all of her time that was, she wasn't directly in a scene, she was laying down. Oh, yeah. They had like a little bed on set. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to. It's mighty, it's mighty <laughs> generous of you yes. to give her a pass on that. So. She might be phoning it in fine. She's still got a certain nurse ratchetness no matter what she's doing. So yeah. She's still sells her. She's not, she's, she's not like, Bashir or I guess you would say Cisco <laughs> that is wildly inconsistent in their performances. She's like been given the same performance for 40 years at this point. <laughs> so like any off note, you're like something's wrong. Like she knows how to play this character in her sleep and she seemed to be doing it in this episode. Yeah. In her <laughs> so, sleep. Yeah. In her sleep. So there, that was that was the off note there. So, all right. all right, that's all I got. What's the number on this? All right, well we will, we've got five hundred and. Well, you guys want to guess on the number? Uh, you guys want to go ahead and shoot? Seven point seven point three. No, seven point two. Seven point one. I was gonna go, I was gonna go six point seven then. If you're vacating it, that'll be in the sixes because people hate these religion yeah. pope episodes. Okay, I'll stick with six point seven. I'll go six point nine. James, what do you got? What do you got? I'm at six point seven. 
I took it when okay. he vacated it one of his times. I was going to say, it's it's 6.7. Wait, <laughs> That's right, wait. I tell you when you're taking wait. the ACT or whatever, wait. or wait. SAT or whatever, hey, don't second guess yourself. No, always go always good with your friends. Yeah, 599. Basically stuck the landing and second, totally second guess yourself. Um, Plankton Rules says, this one was interesting and well-written. Another chance to see the tricky and snake-like Kai Wen exclamation mark so yes this was another one of plankton that seemed to be get favorable review from plankton rules so so what do we got next week we've got uh heart of stone i believe which is like a classic uh i believe that's what it's called heart of stone it's a classic it is uh it is all i believe well no there's a b story but it's uh kira and odo and their Uh, heart of stone sounds sounds like an amish romance novel which is a thing that exists I had Heart of Stone. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there I've is. seen a book called Heart of Stone, which, which every Amish yes. romance novel has at least one tragic buggy accident. And that's a <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm crossing my fingers for a tra- um, tragic buggy accident next week's episode. I won't hold my breath. If you're into this, uh, we will be starting a podcast where Wade <laughs> reads Amish romance novels. It, it, it's all about old and spinsters and the, tragic buggy accidents. It'll be on Earwolf and Pan. It'll be a Earwolf or Panoply. We don't know <laughs> right. who's going to pay for it yet, but right, <laughs> one of those. Uh, yeah. So there right, we go. Let's move on to all right viewer considerations or uh, subspace <laughs> transmissions. <laughs> I thought I made it clear there would be no visitors for the next three hours. First off, oh, hello. Hi. This is our Richard Picardo. Do we have another name for this segment tonight, guys? Voicemails, emails, anything? Uh, uh, I I don't know. I think that's fine. All right. Okay. That's work. Welcome to I Don't Know. It's It's you. It's you here. I'm here. I'm just waiting. Okay. Well, he asked the question. You didn't speak have, up. I don't have any. I don't have any good ideas. <laughs> he didn't speak up. <laughs> you have been just gone before, though. <laughs> so we do have to check up on you. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, that's true. It has but most uh, of the time, I just I'm just listening. All right. So we've got a few responses to past tense says and whatnot. All right. First off. I'll just go ahead and I'll read this. Mailbag two, the second mailbag of past tense problems. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we'll see what we got. Okay. First off, I have this email that somebody sent for us from uh, Stefan from the Netherlands. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ROA just, worldwide here, are we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we, we're an international, mm-hmm. we have an international listenership the podcast I, I i was excited that i think his name's gert wilders uh didn't didn't get more traction over there i hope you were too stefan oh oh yeah yeah i i'm pretty sure if he's a star trek fan he's not a, he's not he's not a, he's not a, a, a european nationalist yeah uh, but well who knows let's tell from this email that i'm gonna read as fast as i can it says uh hello fellow ds9 fans my name is stefan from the netherlands i discovered your podcast recently and am slowly working my way through it. I have been a fan of DS9 since it originally aired in the 90s, and I have done three full watches of the show since then. And recently, I'm going through the show on Netflix, skipping all the lesser ones or 
the episodes I just don't feel like watching that night. And it's going mostly for the good stuff. It's more fun listening to you guys talk about Malora. Could with that we do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's more fun listening to you guys talking about Malora than actually watching it again. <laughs> it was yes, Fair it enough. was a fun episode to record, not a fun episode to watch. Yeah, I listened to the one you d- did earlier this week about past tense part one. While I always liked it a lot, and it feels like a really Star Trekky message episode done right, it does seem to overstate the importance of the Bell riots when you put the story in context with the whole Star Trek timeline. I mean. There are massive riots in 2024 because of poverty, hopelessness, and being ignored, which is a fine story idea, but just a few decades later, World War III is going to break out. Uh, 600 million dead worldwide, according to Riker and First Contact. And um, yeah, if I were to relate, relate this to real-world terms, if, if Trump and Putin started squaring off and the nukes started flying, is anyone who survives a nuclear holocaust really going to give a damn about the Black Lives Matter movement. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, if you grow yeah. up in a radioactive wasteland, having the struggle for survival, standing in line for soup at a sanctuary district will probably seem like your idea of heaven. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of uh, history has ground down a lot of popular movements of the day uh, because they become unimportant. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's I like it a lot as a DS9 episode, but... It doesn't really fit very well in the larger scope of things. Yeah. That's my opinion, not in any ways. Not mine, but Stefan. Enjoying the podcast, guys. Keep up the good work. Uh, and then he tells how to pronounce his name. I could still be do- doing it wrong. It's Stefan, which is pronounced roughly as Stefan, which most of my Stephen. which most of my American friends don't seem to realize Miley face. Well, apparently we've been missed for many episodes now. We've been pronouncing Colum Meany's name. So I'll oh, try yeah. to get better. Oh, yeah. You saw yeah. that on Twitter, yeah. right? We take friendly advice like that. Yeah. Yeah. If we want to get these names right. We suck at it. Yeah. Yeah. It would. Yeah. But I mean, that's turned into a thing we do now. We, yeah. We fuck up your names. You love it, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> that's endearing. That's an endearing thing we do. It right? is. Yeah. It is. I, I try um, to, I, I try to, like, if I'm not trying to maybe not. mock someone, I'm trying to, like, like get it right right yeah if we're fucking it up we're doing it we like to do it on purpose yeah yeah exactly i like to know what i'm fucking it up like so the first two times i called him richard picardo were bad all subsequent times i called him richard picardo well (laughs) it's probably uh me having a fun time it's a good time yeah all right well thanks for the like no that was uh, that thank thanks for that and i like to know that we're i like to hear from friends abroad that makes yeah me too that's really cool yeah, if you are abroad and you want to, you can send us an audio file through email if you like. But, you know, you can send us email. Like, if you don't want to pay the uh, long distance call costs. Unfortunately, like most Americans, we can we can go whole weeks or months forgetting that people outside of our country exist at all. <laughs> so <laughs> it's nice to, like, even us, so we like to be reminded. So it's good. All right, what's up next on the docket? All right. Uh, next up, we have an email from. Oh no, not an email. This is a voicemail from Greg in North Carolina. All right, y'all ready for this? Bump, bump, bada, bump. All right, here we go. Hey, this is Greg from North Carolina. I just finished listening to uh, your episode about past tense part two, and I found it interesting that I don't think any of you really brought the fact this feels like a throwback to the original series in the worst ways. You know, obviously the original series for the eugenics war, so it wouldn't do quite this story. 
but this is really a message episode in terms of Kirk goes back and teaches people in the past how it should be, even though he's not supposed to. The only caveat here is that with Gabriel Bell dying before Cisco and Bashir able to escape, Cisco feels like he has to replace it to preserve the past rather than changing it to help things out. I know that TOS didn't really do those episodes because the one time they did City in the Age of Forever, which is amazing, I'll say that right out, he actually had to preserve the past and let the woman he loved die. But I could easily have seen this as a less stellar TOS episode before that point or after that point for getting the whole lessons of it. So I thought it was interesting to bring that up as a point of criticism. And this sort of a, you know, kind of in line also with what TNG did with the Mark Twain episode. Don't remember the name of that off the top of my head about going back in the past and we can't change the timeline, except we totally did. <laughs> At least this avoided some of the pitfalls of Mark Twain hamming it up on the Enterprise going, the future is amazing. Yeah, I hated that. That's all. Uh, really enjoyed the podcast. Keep going. Thanks. Wow. Yeah, that I forgot about the Mark Twain. I think James just said it. he hated that stuff. Yeah. I... Was I, it Hell Holbert? No, it wasn't. It would have been better. No. We, okay, we're not, we weren't that lucky. <laughs> then, then fuck it. Um, no, I... Th- if, you're, if your Mark Twain is not Hell Holbrook or... Val Kilmer? Val Kilmer. Nope, nope. All, Val I, Kilmer. <laughs> yeah. Only Hell Holbrook well, th- or... I think uh, about that, that about TNG Dowell. Twain episode. Can I make my point about Star Trek real quick? But then we can go through that. Make your point. Mark Twain IMDb. I, I need to make my Hell Holbrook kind of the um the the thing about the the Ugo no, no, I'm sorry I'm sorry if it's not I'm sorry <laughs> Hell Holbrook or Dana Gold as Dr. Zayas as Hell Holbrook <laughs> in a Planet of the Apes get the fuck out <laughs> The the thing I like about the Mark Twain st- I hate the Mark Twain stuff in the time travel episode yeah, that I'll I'll provide Frank. a link for for Dana Gold as as Maurice <laughs> Evans, that's Dr. Zayas. Can I just talk about the wire the here for a minute? <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm done. Go ahead. That'll be in the show notes. Greg, uh, I appreciate the call. And yeah, you're right. This is a callback to the original series. The Next Generation did horse around with this kind of time travel uh, stuff when with Data's head. And the best part about that was Guinan and the use of her being old as balls <laughs> i think that was that's a scientific yes. term right for <laughs> yeah wrinkly and old as balls yeah so uh whatever they gained in that episode with using the guiding character they lost by having mark twain wander around the, the enterprise mm-hmm. so yeah all right so what do you got next for us all right hopefully it's dana gould as, <laughs> yeah. as, as mark twain all right next i think i hate time travel episodes more than Hugh hates me episode. Really? I think so. Okay. I think I'm done. I'm just saying, next caller better be Dana Gold as Dr. Zayas as <laughs> Mark Twain or get the fuck. I don't even know this reference. So I, I, I don't fill in on the joke. Oh, well. He did a bit. It's a John Hodgman thing. Had yeah. Dana Gold come on stage in full Planet of the Apes make- makeup as Dr. Zayas as Hell Holbrook <laughs> doing... Mark Twain. Mark Twain. The Jumping Frog. It's still on Netflix, I think, right? It's on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I'll check that out. It's great. I mean, Dana Gould's amazing. And, yeah. hmm. oh, I do. All, all your best Simpsons jokes are from him. Hmm. He also has like a horror show now, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. The Not Evil Dead show. Dana Gould is just loving all the free yeah, publicity yeah. we've been giving. I do think. I do think yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know he's a listener, right? Right. <laughs> 
as a liberal talking head, I think he's like cripplingly both sidesy, and so I, he kind of irritates me there. But that's okay. All right. Great. Man. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, if you want to get it on the wrong side of Dana Gould, that's I fine. just, I, yeah, I just, I, I like a, you guys were sucking his dick. There's one person in this you, business I don't want to cross. It's Dana Gould. You were, guys whatever. were sucking his dick. I was trying to, I was going to throw a little sand at him. Oh, if he, if he wants to listen to the podcast, I'll suck his dick all he wants. He can come right now. <laughs> yeah, all it takes is if he wants to tweet about us. That, that that doubles our listenership at least right now. I like that the I the idea that Dana Gold is a is a hidden that he's a hidden fan of ours. That would make me yeah, super Yeah, that would make me the most it'd make me the happiest boy in the world. All right. Anyways, we have another voicemail here. This is from uh Eric P again. Y'all ready for this? Mm-hmm. Yes. Bom, 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 bom. Hello, gentlemen. Eric from Pennsylvania calling in regards to your recent episodes about past tense. and try to keep this as brief as I can. Uh, first, quickly, I just want to step in and kind of defend <laughs> your choice to offer maybe more criticisms of a fan favorite episode rather than uh, softballing it, uh, partly because I don't think there's anything particularly interesting about the idea of a podcast that feels like a little... We all love Star Trek. Let's sit around and talk about how great Star Trek is. <laughs> la, 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 la. I think it's a lot more interesting to to get into these criticisms. And I think you guys brought up with uh, mentioning your sort of history as artsy people. But like the whole point of art, of art criticism isn't to say we noticed this flaw, so we don't like it, but to use that examination to to find layers of complexity in the art. And so I think that's important to do, and I hope you guys keep doing it. Specifically, uh, I I actually, I always liked this episode, and then this time when I watched it, I'm kind of on your side that the the solution that the episode presents is a little easy. Uh, Maybe that's because of where we are at this point uh, politically. But Star Trek seems to have always been really attached to this idea that humanity, the the right trigger can convince everyone to be good, you know, in first contact. If we just meet aliens, it'll unite humanity in a way we never thought possible. And, you know, I'm sitting here sometimes thinking, if the fact that we're all going to be underwater in 100 years can't unite humanity, what are aliens going to do? I don't know. Maybe that's just getting older, getting more cynical. But in any case, I... I wish that this episode had gone a little bit darker with the immediate aftermath of the Bell Riots uh, and gotten into sometimes the way that things get worse before they get better. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been a little bit more interesting than the, oh, well, this cool guy showed up and he showed everyone this thing and everyone went, ah. And yeah, they kind of pay lip service to that idea, but I think they could have done more with it. You can cut this next part out because it's kind of uh, a bit of a digression, but there's an episode of a British sci-fi comedy show called Red Dwarf, where through some time-traveling hijinks, they accidentally end up saving JFK from... Did he cut off again? Oh, he cut off again. Yeah. Come, which maybe was the right call, but oh, here, wait a minute. Is he the guy that calls in? Hey, guys. It's uh, Eric from Pennsylvania. I... Try to leave another voicemail. Ended up rambling. It was way too long. It got cut off. That's my bad. Delete it. Uh, and that's it. Okay. I think Eric from Pennsylvania, on all three of his voicemails, makes some good points. But I think when he, he did mention something that was interesting to me about his cynicism, 
Like, what's the difference between having just like a realistic viewpoint of how things bad things are and like being cynical? Like, that's something I oscillate between. Like, am I just being cynical or am I actually have a clear picture of how grim yeah, things no, are? Yeah, no, like, I think uh, fans that listen to this podcast wouldn't know this, but me and you have been having like about a two year long <laughs> sort of argument where I think he's too pessimistic possibly about the future. But like, I have to say it every turn over the last year and a half. He's been right, and I've been wrong. So I'm starting to think that maybe a positive outlook towards humanity's future is not something we can afford to be optimistic about. (laughs) And he he makes a great point. Like, what are aliens going to – If would like, people would still want tax cuts for the rich if aliens came down tomorrow. Yeah, like, not only – he's right. We're all going to, like, whole sections of highly populated areas are – clearly going to like drown right in the next hundred years and we're arguing on whether it's happening like it's fucking clear it's happening right. like well and, and that yeah. makes matters where shack came out as a flat I, earther was that are they fucking with me like like <laughs> like i got it when uh when, when Kyrie did it but like shack that seems like he's that seems like he's trolling <laughs> shack was smarter than that He's got an honorary PhD. I mean, I, I mean, Elon <laughs> Musk is just going to have to put these fuckers in a rocket and go show them, right? <laughs> no, no. They believe that if you just go show them, that's, that's just Elon Musk. You know, it's <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. I'm I'm familiar with flat you Earth into or a... Earther theories, right? And I remember, like a year and a half ago, I thought like they're not. These are the dumbest, most pernicious ideas. No, God, they're yeah. not. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> this last year's election really did a number on you, James. Oh, it did. It <laughs> broke my fucking brain. <laughs> it it broke James. Everybody, like he was like, "You come on, it's fine." I, and, I guess I always nope. thought that a middle ground. I mean, yes, we lived in a country where Obama won twice. Like, yes, I think you can learn the long wrong lesson from that, and I guess I did. But um, uh, yeah, no, and I probably said a ton of shit about bernie sanders that i i think i would tackle differently now yeah no i think you're right and i think that we do live in an era where these messages aren't pat and i think that i'm gonna make make a larger more odious point okay that roddenberry in the 60s and in these guys in the 90s like they're both while the virus Stephen bear and, and roddenberry they were both white guys living in the hollywood california in these eras of like dominance 60s Fastest growing economy. America's fixing the world after World War Two in the nineties. Well, the sixties were they were they had their own brand of turbulence. yeah, but not but that was in later sixties. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were some well, problems. I mean, well, and early sixties they had a president. Murder, well, but you're right, you're right. Mean, okay, but it the was civil still, rights movement was not out of nowhere. But the the early seasons of Mad Men, that's what Reddenberry's life was like. You know, it, he was wealthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things were changing. The liberal society. We're going to fix all this civil. We're going to fix get those Southerners fix that that racism problem. And then, like, they didn't think about any of the th- stuff. And so, I think that. And then the nineties, you had like you know the boom on the precipice of a booming economy and all of this stuff. So I think that it was very easy to think that maybe you were just like one good idea away from turning the whole damn thing around. And now we, we realize that the world is antagonistic towards good ideas. Right. And not to give up. I don't think that it's yet ready for despair, but I just don't don't think yeah, it's going to well, be easy. I st- I st- no, it's not going to be easy, but I think the arc of history is long. 
<laughs> that's cold. That's and cold comfort guys, to me. I've had to hear a guy say that for eight years, and then like hand the country. Eight years is a short amount of time. And honestly, hand the country the over to an asshole. So like, in the Star Trek scheme of things, it's even a short t- amount of time too. And I mean, Star Trek, we're gonna blow the shit up and build from the. We haven't built from the ground up yet. I mean, well, I appreciate what Eric's saying. Is that like whatever? Yeah, like what's going on? Colors how you view your television. And I think that's something I'm discovering. I mean, we'll be all dead by, by the time it gets better. Right. So, right. you know, right. there's that. Yeah, I mean, I just think right. that there's this sort of candy-ass way of looking at, like, how the world is going to change. And there's a tougher way, you know? And I think right. that there's, like, a... There's a... They're going to... The future's going to meet us with candies and, and whatever Donald Rumsfeld said about Iraq. Like, and the truth is, no, <laughs> Iraq. Like, what we're faced with is Iraq. So I think that that's the way I look at it. And I think I was still of the can. I think I received a bear in me last year or of the candy and whatever flower school. The future is going to be in sugar. The, the, the future is going to meet us with candies and flowers. And it's not. It's not meeting us with that at all. Well, you got so, any more voicemails for us, Wade? Nope. I'm all cash. Those were those were pretty good, good though. Good. So uh, thanks again for calling in, folks. Uh, do you want to give the number out again? Oh, yeah, it's uh, 917-408-3898. Give us a call. Email us your audio or send us an email if you're international and don't want to pay the long-distance fees. You know, whatever you're comfortable with. I think we nailed this episode. All right. I think we fucking nailed it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. All right. It's, a, well, it, it's in the way that you use it. It's going to, like, play now. It's in the way that you use it. <laughs> yep. For those of us uh, uh, here at the Rules of Acquisition, we'll see you next week. That is free to beam out. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes. They will play them on air and try to be nice to you because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that, again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.